Open up that crystal Pepsi and get comfortable. This is Dope Nostalgia. It is episode 120 of Dope Nostalgia here. I'm your host, Naomi. Today, we are reviewing one of the greatest albums that ever came out in the 90s, if not of all time. It inspired a whole generation of people, especially women, as it turned the music world on its head with its angsty pop lyrics and exceptional emotional delivery from Alanis Morissette. We're talking about the 1995 release, Jagged Little Pill. Here's some background on the album. Wikipedia Moments. Jagged Little Pill is the third studio album by Canadian singer Alanis Morissette, released on June 13, 1995 through Maverick Records. It was her first album to be released worldwide. It marked a stylistic departure from the dance pop sound of her first two albums, Alanis, and Now Is The Time. Morissette began work on the album after moving from her hometown, Ottawa, to Toronto, making little progress until she traveled to Los Angeles, where she met producer Glenn Ballard. Morissette and Ballard had an instant connection and began co-writing and experimenting with sounds. The experimentation resulted in an alternative rock album that takes influence from post-grunge and pop rock and features guitars, keyboards, drum machines, and a harmonica. The lyrics touch upon themes of aggression and unsuccessful relationships, while Ballard introduced a pop sensibility to Morissette's angst. The title of the album is taken from a line in the first verse of the song, You Learn. Jagged Little Pill was a worldwide commercial success, topping the charts in 13 countries. With sales of over 33 million copies worldwide, it is one of the best-selling albums of all time and made Aldanis the first Canadian to achieve double diamond sales. Jagged Little Pill was nominated for nine Grammy Awards, winning five, including Album of the Year, making the then 21-year-old Morissette the youngest artist to win the top honor up to that point. Rolling Stone ranked Jagged Little Pill at number 69 on its 2020 list of the 500 greatest albums of all time. The album has been re-released twice on October 30th, 2015 in a two-disc deluxe edition and a four-disc collector's edition commemorating its 20th anniversary, and then again on June 26, 2020, in a 25th anniversary deluxe edition. An acoustic re-recording of the album was released in 2005 to mark its 10th anniversary. A musical stage production based on the album premiered at the American Repertory Theatre in Cambridge on May 5, 2018. It transferred to Broadway the following year and was nominated for 15 Tony Awards, including Best Musical. A world tour celebrating the 25th anniversary of Jagged Little Pill began in early 2020, but was postponed due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Good news, Alanis is back on tour now. Kendra has joined me to talk about the history of this amazing album, track by track. Well, I have a quick Alanis story. There's At some point, I'd like to... Um, do an episode solely focused on her first two albums that a lot of people don't know about yeah because Alanis, she did her dance stuff yep like I'm sure that it's been rumored and people know about her past as a dance artist but um if you were living in Canada at the time and and you're paying attention to what was happening in the music scene she was getting quite big like she had a very successful da dance music pop music career 
Right. I well, I do vaguely remember when um but uh, um oh it's too hot, never too cold. That song. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember that one because it was so catchy. And then when she came out with Jagged Little Pill, I was like, wow, this is different. <laughs> When this album, Jagged Little Pill, came out, it absolutely floored me. I was shocked because I I knew so much and I was a fan of Pop Alanis that I was just... So what happened, um, my friends and I used to do, we were in junior high, I want to say late junior high, um, and the radio station Power 92 had this show called Homeroom Countdown, which was on early Sunday mornings and kids, high school kids hosted the show did their own little countdown blah 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 so we'd done it a few times um so one of the djs at power night had told me that aladis was coming in to the studio if i wanted to meet her and i don't think he's allowed to do that i don't think radio station djs are allowed (laughs) to do that because when i got there i came i went with a friend of mine and my mother and her manager that was with her was not impressed <laughs> but Alanis was super nice like she was sweet and because I think she would have been 17 at the time ah, I think I was just a baby 14 yeah yeah I was like 13 or 14 and she was like 17 so it was like how old was she what how old was she when she came out with her dance stuff she was teenager then 15 I think wow. yeah I think she was 15 or 16 when too hot came out um, she looked older, like she looked more mature, I think, than her age. Mm-hmm. When she was doing that stuff. And anyways, I always she was really sweet and everything, but you always kind of had the feeling that she wasn't exactly at peace with the music she was making. Yeah. At that time, like well, it's it, but you know what? I think it's very indicative of like how her, her career ended up exploding when she came out with Jagged Little Pill because it was such authentic and raw emotion that you could hear like in her, in not just like the way that it was written, but in the way that she sang it too. You could tell that she was 100% behind what she was singing now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was definitely something like... I just remember seeing the video come on Watch Music for You Ought to Know. And I'm like, oh, Alanis is using her full name. (laughs) Interesting. (laughs) And sitting down and watching it. And I'm like, what is happening? This is Alanis? Like, oh, my goodness. And I like the song. Like, immediately I was into the music. It just floored me. Like, it took me back, uh, back a bit because it seemed like she had become a different person. Yeah. Her, her hair was long and flowy and stringy and like her fashion had changed and she didn't look unkempt. She just looked grungier and dirtier yeah. and like not like a pop princess anymore. Right. Right. She was probably wearing raw. makeup. She was probably wearing makeup, but it, it was like that subtle makeup where you can't tell you're wearing makeup, like no yeah. like bright red lipsticks or anything like that. It was just like a complete image change. Yeah. But it worked for her. Look, like, look at the career she's gotten from that album and how it's still to this day. You go to any karaoke bar, you'll have somebody singing one of the songs off of that album more often than not. I think it's 
transcended through generations. The album, I think a lot of younger people know some of the songs. Uh, but in the 90s, that was one of the biggest albums that ever came out. And uh, we'll talk about it a bit today. Um, it was, what was I going to say? It was released on June 13th, 1995 through Maverick Records. Maverick Records was Madonna's label, like oh, the really? one that she created. Created or co-chaired. Um, I think there were obviously a lot of other people involved, but Madonna had her name all over it. And at some point, I don't know if Madonna had anything to do with Alanis' signing. She had started to work on this album, she, uh, Alanis had uh, decided, or she had to go work with Glenn Ballard, the producer and writer. And he's like big time. Glenn Ballard has a huge history in music too. Do you know much about him? I don't. Okay. Well, obviously this, he was a co-writer of uh, a lot of Michael Jackson stuff. Man in the mirror, hand in my, oh, hand in my pocket, alas. So he was, yeah, I'm looking at his wiki. Yeah, he crow wrote Man in the Mirror, um, discography. He's performed on or produced a lot of these albums. So Michael Jackson, the Pointer Sisters, the list is huge. Paula Abdul's Forever Your Girl. Oh, wow. Self-titled debut. Curtis Steigers, who's been on this show, um, his album. Trey Lorenz, Leah Salonga, who's a huge Filipino star. Okay. Sheena Easton. Wow, some some big names. Glenn Ballard is a big deal. Van Halen, Aerosmith. Oh, yeah, he did a lot of stuff with Aerosmith, like the album Nine Lives, which I really like. Oh, that's a great album, too. So Glenn Ballard has a huge resume. And so they've sent her to work with him, him producing it. I think Alanis was writing a little bit on her pop stuff, but I think now this is finally where she started to bear her soul in her lyrics. It, it's funny how that like really does change the trajectory for an artist when they really get involved in, in that aspect. Cause you know, it, that whole scenario reminds me a lot of what happened with pink too, because she was kind of her first album was that very R&B she had a lot of collaborators so she did collaborate with them but she didn't have a whole lot of like artistic freedom on it Mm -hmm. whereas misunderstood she she and Linda Perry did the whole thing together and that's still to this day one of her biggest selling albums so it's it's cool to see especially when you have an artist like Alanis who's got so much to say you know like I love I think that's why I really love this album is there's a lot of heart and and grit and emotion but like very intellectual lyrics as well you know um mm-hmm. in, in her storytelling there's a lot of connections with a lot of musicians that were big in the 90s on this album too um now those two obviously Ballard and Alanis hit it off right away and were able to work together like a really great pair that they were. Um, <clears throat> but a lot of people don't know, and I didn't know from the lead single of it, you ought to know the big hit. Oh, the cross-eyed bear song, I like to call it. The cross-eyed bear. There's a meme. I've seen it. It's so funny. <laughs> the cross-eyed bear. The cross-eyed bear. 
And I can't, I can't listen to it any other way now. Except, and then I pictured the bear with the crossed eyes and it's just, it kills me. Okay. Um, people didn't know that guitar on this song, you ought to know, was by Dave Navarro and bass was by Flea of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Get out. Some big yep. names on, on the musician side. And then also for some of the videos and i think on tour taylor hawkins was the drummer for this album too right he sure was actually i'm pretty sure taylor hawkins is in this video yeah i think so i'm pretty sure too yeah yeah he was definitely a big part of alanis's band at the time i think he joined food fighters right after this project to be honest because at the time when this was going on, I think Kurt Cobain had only just passed away like the year before. Yeah. Yeah. Because what? Nirvana it was, was still a thing. Right. 94 yep. that he. And yeah, this came out in 95. I was in grade five. <laughs> okay. Um, track by track. Each, I don't think there's a filler song on this album. Like every song is good. Uh, absolutely. Like going through well look at how many hits that she had off this album you yeah. ought to know hand in my pocket you know head over feet you learn ironic right through you i think that was that a single too or was that i think it was a later single the thing is there were so many singles that it's all kinda... i really want i like oh and... right through wasn't a single there was okay. six singles off this album six out of all I really want that was the other one that was a single too right I think yeah it was the last single the yeah. first song on the album anyways six out of 12 were singles that's rare Especially that's nowadays. crazy half the album <laughs> and I mean half the album being on radio as it were there was a little bit of getting annoyed with hearing it because it was yeah. on radio a lot a lot it was. It, it was on a lot it of was. different genres of stations so it got to the point sometimes where you kind of got tired of hearing it but well and also if you became a karaoke host like i did and like you did like you <laughs> couldn't get away from it after a while because everybody would sing it at karaoke you'd hear all of it on the radio yeah and and now back in the day when it was being overplayed a lot um i'd still listen to the album like i still liked it uh, and to this day, I could still throw it on and enjoy it. So it's always going to be something that's part of my life. Yeah, now, it was a huge part of mine too. Like, all, I remember being a kid and all of my friends, we all knew every song off the album. I remember like being in my friend's basement, we were just cranking on the cassette tapes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, this was one of the first CDs I had owned. Yeah, I didn't have very many yet. Yeah, because it was still that that time where cassettes were still quite big, but like they were starting to get phased out a little bit by CDs. Then mm-hmm. CDs weren't cheap at the time either. <laughs> no, they no, they didn't start to come down in price until like late nineties, I think. But anyway is from track to track on this album the first song kicking off the album is all i really want and i think it's a strong opener because it starts with a nice harmonica right off the bat right 
which as far as I know, I think she's the one who's playing the harmonica too, because uh, she always did live. Did she? I didn't know that. Yeah, that's awesome. Actually, she did. It's in the uh, personnel um, in the wiki that she did play the harmonica. And every vocal track on the album, nobody else sings on the album but her. That's, you know, that's a talent in itself, being able to, you know, do your own background vocals too. Because with some artists, when you're recording, um, if you have too much of your own voice, sometimes it doesn't, sometimes you need a good contrast to have like in your background vocals. But the fact that she's able to, to do it so well cohesively and it sounds good. Mm-hmm. Like, that's awesome. Good on her. Oh, for sure. Um, it sounded great that way. Um, there's not a lot of harmony on this album. There's a lot of it is just like her, her lead and that's it. But there is, I think you learn has a bit of harmony and head over feet. Oh, for sure. Yeah. They definitely ironic do. does too. Yeah. She, but she'll have sometimes like just those little ba- uh, backup vocal lines to kind of either carry transitions or like that call and answer type thing that. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing about Alanis too, is that she's got one of those voices that, you know, it's her when you hear oh, it. Oh, she's so distinct. Yeah. Yeah. The way she pronounces certain vowels and consonants, she has her own way of doing it. She hits R's very hard. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and it, it was very, um, it's, it was very unique to her style of singing and, mm. and, and it worked for her. And honestly, like, looking back at some of the big artists in the 90s you find across the board you get a lot of like in terms of like vocal technical aspect of singing is kind of thrown out the window with the 90s but it works because they all were so in the emotion that it didn't matter if they were not completely technically sound you know like they were getting their point and their emotions across and it was like forgivable you know mm-hmm. but like yeah in terms of like teaching that as a you know a vocal teacher I don't think they would they usually always get you to like hold open on the vowel shapes not on the consonants right so mm-hmm. it definitely made her stand out but like it it worked for her too it wasn't something that I found well obviously because everybody is like such a huge fan of her like it still sounded good when she did it mm-hmm yeah, and especially those R's. Those R's is like anytime I try to sing an Alana song and I feel like being a little bit of a copycat in some way, I like to hit those R's really hard just to see if I can sound like her. It's yeah. <laughs> but yeah it's, a good, so all, it's a good homage to her. <laughs> yeah. Um, the number two song on the album was the big lead single, You Oughta Know. Yeah. Now, there's so many stories about this song from the past. The number one story being that apparently it was written about an ex-boyfriend. Yeah, I've heard. Supposedly, Dave Coulier from Full House. Full House, yeah. yeah is I heard this that truth too. or a wise tale? Like, what is old wives tale? That's what you're supposed to say. Derp. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if she's ever really answered that question. You know, it, it's probably one of those things where she's like, I'm going to let them all just think what they want to think. You know, it's the big mystery. What is it? Act- who is it actually about? And it's so funny to think like Dave Coulier from Full House of all people is on like the one of the most wholesome shows. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, song, that song definitely isn't the most wholesome sounding 
song. <laughs> wholesome, seems like he's a wholesome guy. That's wholesome comedy. Uh, the age difference there is a bit, but anyway, um, the only thing that she quoted was saying from her mouth, well, I've never talked about who my songs were about, and I won't, because when I write them, they're written for the sake of personal expression. So with all due respect to whoever may see themselves in my songs, and it happens all the time, I never really comment on it because I write these songs for myself, not other people. Good on her. I think that's a good answer. <laughs> um, he's said he's alternatively admitted to it being about him and denied it. <laughs> In one interview, he said that he admitted that the lines are very close to home, especially the one about an older version of me and bugging him in the middle of dinner. Um, cool. I, I guess they really did date. because And then it says, uh, Bob Saget said in one interview that he was present when Morissette made that call during dinner. Huh. She, she in 2021 with the documentary Jagged, literally last year, has denied that the song was about Dave Coulier. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. So. <laughs> but, you know, like, who knows if, uh, you know, that whole scenario bugging in the middle of dinner didn't help happen with somebody else, right? Or, you know, you want to mm -hmm. make a point and it's maybe about somebody else, but that sort of scenario with him worked for that song too. You never know. Like with songwriters, like they pull from different experiences and sometimes one song can seem like it's specifically about one person. It's actually an accumulation of a bunch of relationships. So mm -hmm. it's hard to say. That's true. It doesn't necessarily all have to mean it was about one person. And she, she uses a bit of metaphoric writing too. So, I mean, not everything is literal. Although when she does say something literal, it's strong. Yes. Like there are things in here like the lyrics of what, what um, go down on you in a theater. These things were kind of shocking to me at that age. <laughs> Especially after her like pop princess sort of run. And then it's like, mm -hmm. oh, you're talking you about thinking, this now. <laughs> are you thinking of me when you fuck her? Like, I was like, whoa. Yeah. Well, and like, you know, it's it's the best way to kind of shed a, a wholesome kind of persona if you want to kind of not, not only like shed that, but also make uh, headlines with changing it up. Look at Miley Cyrus. It worked for her when she like went completely opposite direction of Hannah, Hannah Montana, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, trying to prove that you're all grown up. Lots of teens do it. Yeah. Um, number song, song number three, perfect. It's probably the song on the album that I remember the least. I was going to say the same thing. I'm like, this one is not ringing a bell. You got to try a little harder. It was very... It, I, the whole lyric was basically about like not being good enough and everyone expecting you to be perfect. You got to keep this simply isn't good enough yeah. no matter what you do. Yeah. I think it's from the perspective of a possibly a parent. It, it simply wasn't good enough to make us proud, you know? Oh yeah. One of the lyrics in the, in the chorus. So yeah. Perfect was definitely another one of those lyrics that was 
like, wow, she really expressed some things. <laughs> yeah, it seems like this whole album was just her, you know, releasing stuff through like a, a therapy session. You know, there's just so many aspects of her life that she's kind of uh, sharing with everybody. Mm-hmm. But I think that's why everybody loves it so much, because when you allow yourself to be this vulnerable for the entire world, world to see it, people relate to it. Amen to that. The honesty of it, I think, is what made it so important. And honestly, it's probably one of the most important albums that was ever created, at least in 100%. our time. Sometimes it's never quite enough If you're flawless Nostalgia listeners, I love you and I thank you so much for being a part of this show and its success over the last two years. We have what's called Patreon for those who want to support the show financially. For as little as $1 a month, you can become a subscriber and get bonus content, early podcast release, all kinds of cool behind the scenes stuff, and more. There's different tiers of membership starting at only $1 a month. And we even have some special merch for you guys who are in it for the long run. So please join our Patreon. It's at www.patreon.com forward slash dope nostalgia. Throw on your Jinkos, Baby Tees, and Doc Martens, grab your Lisa Frank Trapper Keeper, and join Jackie and Danielle on a journey to the late 90s as we reminisce about the movies of our youth on the No More Late Fees podcast. Don't forget your flannel and butterfly clips. And remember, be kind and rewind. Polly Pocket, want to see what's new? Really fun compacts just for you. Polly Pocket has stage where she dances ballet. In her shiny tutu, so pretty today. Polly Pocket. And Polly's water fun park, a big slide for the pair. Then happy birthday. Surprise, it's a bear. Polly Pocket. Polly Pocket. Now there's lots more ways to have a Polly Day. Polly Pocket Party Time Surprise, Water Fun Park, and Ballerina Polly Compacts are each sold separately. Onto hand in my pocket. Big hit. That was a huge hit. Interesting lyrics. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. I found uh, that one was like, from a singer's perspective, is always really hard to remember the lyrics because they're so interchangeable. <laughs> they are. It, and then every time she hits that one hand in my pocket chorus part, like it's, it's yeah. a different ending each time. Right. So you're just like, which one is it? I'm like, I'm like, I know all of the possibilities it could be, but which one is it this time? 
Mm-hmm. I'm brave, but I'm chicken shit. I like that lyric. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sick, but I'm pretty. It's a bunch of like um, poor, but I'm happy. Broke, but I'm kind. Is that what it was? I think so. Yeah, just a bunch of opposite comparisons, really. Yeah. And uh, it's not my favorite, but it's all right, you know? Um, And it's one that still gets played a lot. Yeah. Quite a bit. Um, Anything else to say about that one? Not really. Like, uh, same thing, like, out of the the hits I, I i don't mind it i think it's catchy for sure it's it's one of those ones that's you know fun to sing along with if you know which lyrics comes comes next but mm-hmm. um ultimately uh, that like this this album has so many really well written melody lines and like some really great vocal showcases for her i think that's why that song for me is just it it's it's good to listen to but it's not one that i'm like oh i have to listen to it you know it's it's a good uh, catchy tune though yeah it's very simple yes i don't yeah i'm not i'm not a big 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 fan of it but uh, that's okay i'll still listen and sing along when it comes on (laughs) the second second single off the album too um, yeah. The next song, I actually am surprised wasn't a single because I feel like I heard it so much that it would have been right, right. for you. I, I love this one. I love the melody on the song and the kick in the chorus on it is it, it, like for, for me, I agree with you. I feel like this was one that could easily have been a single and done just as well as the other ones. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's actually quite surprising. Um I like the line and the second verse, the whole thing is perfection. What is it? You took me for a joke. You took me for a child. You took a long, hard look at my ass and then played golf for a while. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's what she says. It says she, your steak is like a fish. Is that what she says? I'm not looking I'm not... at the lyrics. This is from memory. Yeah. Tap me on the head. You take me out to wine, dine, 69 me, but never heard a damn word I said. Perfection. <laughs> so, but you know, it's such great lyrical content. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Paints a really good picture. And, and, you know, going back to what we were saying about like vocal technique, like she has such grit in that second verse that really like kind of like pushes forward that, that, you know, what the song's about with like, you know, the, the descriptions that she is expressing and it's coming through with her vocals. Absolutely. On that song. Yeah. It's powerful. She does. Yeah, it's probably one of my favorites actually on that album. Same with hand in my pocket in that one. I don't think she makes use of the bridge very much um, in her writing. She doesn't all I really want. There's definitely a bridge. There's kind oh, of really a bridge and you ought to know, but it's yeah. like that. Uh, 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 right yeah like lyrically she's not doing much but she's just singing yeah a lot of her songs i find that they don't really have much of it um the next one forgiven i find kind of it resonates with me about like the basic feeling that if you don't do this and you don't do that, you're going to hell. Or if you do this and that, you're going to hell kind of thing. Yeah, because it's it's um, about Catholicism, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, 
So actually, there's a quote here about it. I just got to find it. Oh, I was just going to say, um, going back to right through you from, it says here, it's basically a grunge song with angry lyrics about sleazy record bosses who prey on female artists. Wow. That's... Who they want to wine dine in 69 rather than actually supporting their musical careers. Wow. So that's probably a shot back to what happened to her as a pop star. I, I wouldn't doubt it. And good on her for writing something like that, because that really is such a big issue for, for women in the industry. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you know, I totally got that grunge vibe off of that song too. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, going on to Forgiven. Yes, it draws, like you said, on Catholicism, her Catholic upbringing. She says, I was told that if I wasn't a virgin when I was a teenager, I must be a real whore. I believe that if I had sex, I would be damned in hell forever. Interesting because I wasn't raised Catholic, but I was definitely raised that you don't have sex before marriage. And a lot of times there were people who were constantly telling me what I was doing was wrong, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I can see where that song's coming from. And Forgiven has a really cool melody too. The pre-chorus yes. and the chorus are so friggin' good. Yeah. I love the guitar at the beginning too. It's got like, the, it's got such a dark vibe, very like the vibe is similar to like uninvited, but almost on a, it's deep on a deeper level. I found with this one and she's got some really nice textures in her voice on it. Mm -hmm. But like yeah. you find, um, <laughs> you know, it, it just shows that like this whole album she's covering so many different topics you know like with right through you saying like the big head honchos at the music these big music execs and whatnot that are preying on young women but then the next song is going right into you know catholicism and the uh issues with organized religion and you know you, you see any of the artists out there that grew up in those sorts of scenarios a lot of them do have very similar parallel stories mm -hmm. on some of the damage that can be done with them so it's uh, it's mm. it, uh, the, i think it just shows why this album was such a killer album like i said before with it being so vulnerable and touching on so many aspects that so many people can relate to and not just women. Like, I mean, I think I think it's very focused on on being a driving feminism and giving power back to women. I think that's amazing. Yeah. Um, overall, I think it changed a lot of our lives as women that if this this album probably had a huge impact on the way we grew up and thought about things. Oh, that. absolutely. Because it just hit me in a time where I was still like, I think I was in grade 10 when this came out. Very, you know, very impressive. So you're very time. influenced at that point, like by your surroundings and what, who you were listening to. Mm -hmm. And it is like, it's their very formative years, like being in high school. I remember for me, like um, when I was in high school, that, that was pink for me. Mm -hmm. Same thing. She was a strong woman who had opinions and she wasn't afraid to say them. And I think it's important to have these, these types of strong women out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's maybe that does have something to do with Madonna being the uh, holding the reins of the record company because she was one of the innovators who was one of the very first in pop music 
yeah, to be that woman. So I think that's cool. I think that probably helped empower Alanis a bit too, you know? Oh, absolutely. Um, the next song we're going to talk about is You Learn, which was a single. Yes. And that's one of my favorites, I think, too. It's a great song. Yeah. Um, there's a You Learn is a mid-tempo self-help rock song with Morissette giving out advice. Ditch the fear, open your heart, speak your mind, and when the going gets tough, walk around the house naked. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Um, I remember the video being cool and fun and it's, I, I think it's one of the lighter tracks. It's like, it's not as heavy emotionally. I think yeah, it's, a, more was, it's a good and, contrast to some of the other songs, but it's still, it still is in that very truthful realm. Like, you know, and, you know, like she said, being open and, and, you know, giving lots of good advice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good to walk around naked sometimes. I live alone, so it happens a bit, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Head over feet was a huge song. I don't know why I get head over feet and hand in my pocket confused. Maybe just because they they both start with H. H. (laughs) That's all it is. They're totally different. You know, Um, head over feet's got a really cool chorus too. Like it's just it's got hit written all over it. Oh yeah, it's it's such a good song. Like. Anytime you hear that on the radio, you're just like, want to crank that that shit up. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. And honestly, that's one of the ones that I, I personally haven't heard as much as a, a karaoke host. At it's usually ironic, or um, you ought to know. So like, it's that one's kind of another one that hasn't been ruined for me by hearing too many drunk people attempt it. <laughs> Um, it's kind of, I think it's about, to me, it seems to be about like a a relationship where she's not used to being an emotional person. She's not the type to, to hear these kind of things that he's doing. And it's like, oh, this is different kind of thing, you know, like, yeah. And here it's saying the lyrics talk about her being a handful and that she's not the type to get emotional. Um, yeah, no, I, I feel it's like she's experiencing things in a relationship for the first time that she's like, I didn't think I'd be like this kind of thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, and like the, this one and two, I, I think are just really clever in the lyrics. Like I was just thinking of the chorus, um, you know, don't be surprised if I love you for all that you are. I couldn't help it. It's all your fault. <laughs> yeah, the little tongue in cheek. I love it. This is your yeah. fault. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's cute. Um, the next song on the album is probably one of my favorites. I would definitely one of my favorites. I can't tell you if it's the number one favorite, but Mary Jane. Mary Jane. Oh, it's such a great song. I, I like the opening line. It's just like the first time I ever heard it. I'm like, melodically, it caught me from like the very first line. Mm-hmm. It's a fun song to sing because her voice really soars. Yeah, yeah, like there's, yeah, so much range in that song. What's the matter, Mary Jane? Got a hard day. Cause you place the don't disturb sign on the door. You lost your place in mine again. What a Seen to wanna dance 
Does the song have anything to do with pot? Or is she literally just talking to somebody named Mary Jane? Could be both. Maybe she wanted to leave it open for interpretation. That's when the listeners can get back to us. Is it? Tell us if what there's do you anything think? to do with yeah. the pot. Call the number. What's the number? Call. call <laughs> 780. Us- Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. 780-851-8785. There you go. <laughs> I'm like, I would do it, but I can't remember the number. <laughs> no, I that's what I only know like two memorized numbers in my head, my own and that number. <laughs> and that number. But yeah, call. Let us yeah. know what you think. Is it about weed or is it about Mary Jane? The lady Mary Jane. A lady. About, Mary is Jane. it about Mary Jane and Spider-Man? No. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. That's bullshit. Okay, song number 10. We're getting near the end of the album now. Ironic. Ironic. Everybody and their dog knows this song. A lot of people have said that these aren't actually examples of irony. They're examples of coincidence. Coincidence. Yeah. Um, Because like, if you look at the definition of irony, we pulled that up. Would they fall into that category? <laughs> um, what does it say here? Here, here's it's called the linguistic dispute. The song's usage of the word ironic attracted media attention because it gives a distinct unironic sense in its implications. According to the Oxford English Dictionary, irony is a state of affairs or an event that seems deliberately contrary to what was or might be expected. In outcome, cruelly, humorously, or strangely at odds with assumptions or expectations. Thus, lyrics such as it's a free ride when you've already paid and a traffic jam when you're already late are not ironic. (laughs) Hmm. I don't know. She was definitely not trying. She says as they were writing it, they were definitely not trying to sit around and make sure that everything was technically ironic. Which is fair, you know? Yeah. It doesn't even matter because even if it's not ironic, these these comparisons, I find them really interesting. And I think that everyone's been there where they're like, oh, yeah, of course it went that way. Maybe it's more of an example of like Murphy's Law. Yeah. But you can't sing Murphy's Law ironic as you were just saying. <laughs> Isn't it Murphy's Law? Like it's something. <laughs> yeah, something's. What, what, what is Murphy's Law? Something if, if you're expecting it to go wrong, it's bound to go wrong kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, the one that I hate is or, or the, meeting the man of my dreams and meeting his beautiful wife. Check. <laughs> been there. Um, <clears throat> the airplane, getting on the plane and like you've been waiting your whole life to do it because you've been afraid of flying and then the plane's crashing. Really? Yeah. Right. Like, go Those are just piss offs. Those yeah. are piss offs. Perfect. Great awesome song yeah video simple well, she's just driving in her car in her toque because she's canadian she's cold it's <laughs> canadian she's cold but you know and like really think about that chorus and who doesn't want to sing along with it the second it's like right, right? like mm-hmm. who doesn't want to sing along with that like melodically it's such a fantastic song yep it's it's an example of something could go wrong it's gonna go wrong and in all reality, like, who, who even gives a shit if it's not ironic? There's other people out there that have way less 
intelligent lyrics that people don't care if they are or not, you know? It's, it's a good point that you bring up saying the phrase intelligent lyrics, because I, I find that that's one thing about this album is one, it's one of the most intelligent uh, type of poetry I've ever listened to. Yeah, it really is. And like, you know, nitpicking on that song's one thing, but like, if you listen to the rest of the album, it's just so brilliantly written, you know? But like, there's a reason too that Ironic is like, probably one of her like if not the biggest hit off of this album like that that thing was huge (laughs) yeah um my the next song on the album is actually one of my very favorites but I don't understand what it's about um (laughs) not the doctor I love to sing that so I'm I'm I just googled what is not the doctor about um man the lyrics are cool but you're a big, big boy now. I don't want to be your mother. I didn't carry you in my womb for nine months. So, and then the chorus is like visiting hours are nine to five. And if I show up at 10 past six, well, I already know that you'd find some way to sneak me in. Mind the empty bottle with the holes along the bottom. You see, it's too much to ask for. And I'm not the doctor. <laughs> the verses make more sense. Cause it's like, I don't want to be all these things to you. I'm not basically I think it's like I'm not looking to be your mother right right um but then I look up what is this song about what do you think it's about do you know do you have an opinion of it this one I don't know as well as the others to be honest I was okay that was one of the ones that did not stick with me over the years and I was Mm -hmm. like it's definitely not one I remember as well but you know like that that's another thing with like sometimes having like really into, uh, intelligent lyrics, it can be very metaphoric sometimes. And then it's just like, I have no idea what this is about, <laughs> but I like it for some reason. It's see, I don't know what not... the holes along the bottom thing is about. Um, but uh, looking at some comments of people's opinions of what the song's about, and I think this is pretty straightforward. It's basically an ode to somebody being clingy. Hmm. And she's basically like, I'm not, I'm not all these things to you and I'm not a doctor, but I don't understand the holes along the bottom, the empty bottle with the holes along the bottom. Mind I was like, em- is that some kind of a drug paraphernalia thing? Mind what is the that? empty bottle with the holes along the bottom. You see, it's too much to ask for. And I am not the doctor. Yeah, it's. She doesn't want to be the one that fills him and enables him his codependent yeah i think so especially like if you look at visiting hours or nine to five and if i show up at 10 past six well i already know that you'd find some way to sneak me in because they would probably do anything to make sure even if like she's purposely breaking the rules you know like oh it's okay i'll make sure that you're in there kind of thing right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And here's another comment that someone says that it most definitely refers to about a drug using boyfriend because of the lyrics that say, um, I don't want to be your food or the light from the fridge on your face at midnight. Hey, what are you hungry for? She's talking about having the munchies. And then the other line, I don't want to be a substitute for the smoke you've been inhaling. Hmm. Okay. That's really interesting, actually. It's really interesting. Um. Which one was Wake Up? I don't remember Wake Up at all. 
Neither do I actually. That one, like, we should Whoa. listen to it. We should listen to it. Okay, I'm finding it right now. Alanis, wake up. What the hell? Was that even on the original album? It must have been. Hold on, let me share. Share audio. 2015 remaster. I think oh. it was it was on the remastered version. Maybe they added it because I'm like, I don't remember this one at all either. Nope. Let's see. Today, well, it, the first well, chapter hold up to the great love story. Once I hear it, Today then I'd be able to know first... it was on the original album. Can you hear it? Yep. You like snow, but only if it's warm. You like rain, but only if it's dry. There's no sentimental value to the rose that fell on your. it but i don't think it was on the original no i don't think so honestly i i can kind of see why i like it but i can kind of see why it's not on there because I, I just feel like it doesn't i don't know what it is mesh? about it yeah it doesn't mesh well like it, it's it's very authentically her but like it's kind of a sleepier one compared <clears throat> to the other ones but i'm gonna like, grab my cd right now because it is my original cd that I have then and see if, and it's, see on if it's on the track list because I don't think it was but right. like when I pulled it up it said 2015 remaster wake up is on the album is it really it's on the album no way number 12 how do it's I not remember one. it huh does anybody else have this problem <laughs> does anybody else I'm not remember old. wake up because <laughs> it's there I can't believe that I don't remember it. Yeah. No, it Freaking didn't ring a bell right at all. I feel like a fraud. <laughs> what I do remember is the secret track after that. You let the thing play for a bit. Yeah. Your house. Right. It's a cappella. Yes. Yeah. And it's a song about her sneaking into this guy's house. And like going through his, I don't know if she like goes through his stuff, but she like takes a shower and stuff. Like if I did, would you forgive me love? If I stay all afternoon, would you, if I dance in your shower, blah, 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 blah. So she's basically hanging out at the her, the guy she's obsessed with his house when he's not there. <laughs> That's why it was a secret track. <laughs> I hope it didn't start a generation of stalkers, but uh, it's, I liked the song because I thought it was pretty, but I didn't follow any of the things it asks you to do. <laughs> <laughs> you 
you weren't influenced by it. Not that <laughs> influenced, no. I'm mind blown right now that I don't remember wake up. Yeah, that's crazy. Like, honestly, I haven't listened to the album front to back in quite a few years, but um, yeah, I definitely don't remember it. Yeah, this thing has seen some wear, that's for sure. I kept it in relatively decent condition considering it's the case that's all old and scratched and cracked. But um, overall, yeah, this album changed lives. I think like it, if not changed, it definitely influenced a lot of the way, that especially young women have thought about things and approached things back in that time. Absolutely. It's a brilliant album. And there's a reason that it still resonates all these years later. They didn't they do like a Broadway show on the there is music? a Broadway show. There like, there is a Broadway show of Jagged Little Pill that's out. Yeah. Like that, that's that's pretty huge. They don't mm -hmm. they don't just do that for any album. And she's Canadian. Hell yeah. Rep We're in proud. Canada. We're Purple. proud. Straight from Ottawa, Ottawa, Ontario. Um, and I mean, after that, I think she was, no matter what albums she put out later, they were all very good. None of them would probably reach the same level of success because that's almost an impossible goal to achieve, but they all did very well. Mm -hmm. And she's a legend. She ended up with an amazing career. Um, yeah. Here's some things that were said about the album, some reviews, uh, Uh, here we go. Uh, one, one critic described her as wise beyond her years, determined to expose the hypocrisy she encounters at every turn. Another one wrote that she, Marisette is happy to help 15 million girls of many ages stick a basic feminist truth in our faces. Privileged phonies have identity problems too, not to mention man problems. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. And her lyrics are unvarnished and Marisette unflinchingly explores emotions so common most people would be ashamed to articulate them yeah yeah, yeah. that hit the nail on the head right there it's true like and like what we have been saying it's it's such a vulnerable album and she touches on these subjects like what they said in that review that most people probably wouldn't but mm -hmm. you know it resonates it hits people right in the heart and sticks with you yeah. And uh, I'm, yeah, I, I feel like because of the fact that I remember her as a pop artist, that would, seeing what she's accomplished with this album, you, I kind of felt like, even though I have no claim of ownership and overheard anyway, I feel like proud of her. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like yeah. that's my girl, you know, she did it. Right. Right. Because like you were there from the get go. Right. Yeah. You know, there's so many people that came in right when this album hit, mm -hmm. you know, didn't even know, like so many people don't even know that she was there and doing the pop thing beforehand. No, they don't. or they've, they've heard rumors of it, but never actually heard it. So that is going to be a future episode of Dope Nostalgia, where we dive into those two albums, because I think that uh, it's going to surprise a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. Well, because like, you go back and listen to it and they're quite good too from what mm -hmm. i remember but it's very different and 
It's very interesting to see where she came from. A little tidbit before we wrap things up that has nothing to do with Jagged Little Pill, but maybe you did. I wasn't sure if you knew this. When we were talking about her pop career, she had a song called Walk Away. A music video was made for it, released. And the starring guy in the video was Matt, LeBlanc, Matt LeBlanc. Oh, another yeah, Canadian. I think, I think I did hear about that. Yeah, that's that's awesome, though. For sure. So like nowadays, Alanis is actually and I hope that we can get to do this. I think we, I'd love to go see her live. She's on tour this summer. I want to go. I want to go so bad. With Even garbage as the, the opener. Yeah, I've never gotten to see her live, so. I think it'd be a big deal to do that. I think she's a blonde now too. Wow. The last I saw. That would be a different look. She, uh, I think she was a judge on some kind of reality music show. Yeah. I think I remember hearing something about that. It might be the one where people are songwriters on it or something like they're doing original tracks, which would be cool. I could see her being more inclined to doing something like that. Mm -hmm. talks about people's actual writing talents because if there's anybody who knows about lyrical writing talent it's this woman (laughs) oh for sure she I'm sure that she could you know help a lot of people out and have a lot to say in that respect Mm -hmm. yeah and I think she's legend status honestly oh the other time I got to see her is um the the well it's Canada's Grammys it's the Juno Awards she was the host of the 2004 Juno Awards and they took place in Edmonton our city it's the only time the Junos have taken place in Edmonton which is kind of a shame and shocking but yeah um she was dating Ryan Reynolds at the time so he was there as well so I got to go to the like the red carpet thing and watch them walk the red carpet and I have pictures of them on the I took up on them on the red carpet and it was cute that's awesome yeah. That'd be so awesome to see. Yeah. But oh, thank you so much, Kendra. We well, you may as well let people know we really kind of threw this episode together today. <laughs> <laughs> we we like we're gonna record. We've made the time to record. Let's do it. And we both picked an album that meant a lot to us. So that's why it was easy to talk about. Yeah. But Any it's, closing all, it's always a blast. It's always a blast being on the show. I love it. And uh Closing thoughts, get your Dope Nostalgia merch because I've been drinking from my Dope Nostalgia podcast mug. We have merch um, on Redbubble. Yes. Yes, merch on Redbubble. Uh, I, never t- I, never, I never talk about that, but we do. Redbubble.com. Yeah. I think it's forward slash Dope Nostalgia. I'll put some links out there. Yeah, you should get your merch. And uh, I was happy to be on the show again. Mm-hmm. Love talking about the 90s. Love this album. And uh, yeah. Now you and I also got together and uh, did some drinking a couple weekends ago and we came up with this great idea and it's going to happen. So um, we'll be playing a clip of what's going on there, but July 16th, we're having the dope nostalgia video dance party right here on zoom. Hell yes. It's going to be a blast. Yeah. Save the date for it. Yes. And we'll we'll be releasing more details soon. Um, DJ Cyberdoll from uh, NK Airplay Radio is going to be our DJ. And we're going to hook her up with some of the finest 90s tunes. It's going to be like open house party all over again. Then we songs you'd be like, oh, I remember this. Yes. You know? Oh, man, it's going to take me back. I remember going to those much music video dance parties, with all the 90s music. They'd come to your school. Yes. This is a Canada thing, my friends. They would come to your school. Much music was like our MTV. They'd 
mo- their mobile dance party unit. They'd break out the video screens all over and it was cool. Play all the best 90s music and you dance your ass off. It was fucking blast. It was so much fun. Master T actually came to ours. He must have really? been in Edmonton anyway for something. That's awesome. He actually came to ours. So we all got to hug him and get his autograph. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Good times. Well, I'm going to have to wrap it up because I got another Zoom right away here. All right. But thank you for making this happen. Anytime. Anytime. <laughs> Unless you follow us on Twitter at Nostalgia Dope, Instagram at Dope underscore Nostalgia. Visit our website at www.dopenostalgia.com or pick up the phone and call us at 780-851-8785 and cut it out. This podcast is licensed by SoCan because we believe that artists should be paid for their work.